Hey, hey, friends, welcome to the Lens of Faith podcast. Today, I'm going to talk about how Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He's grace and he's justice. You know, we like to categorize ourselves as introvert or extrovert, grace or justice, quiet, outspoken, you know, all those things, those are all human boxes that we put ourselves in. But God wants us to live like Him, to act like Him, to manifest like Him, and He carried Himself as both. He was not one or the other. You're probably thinking to yourself, you know, I'm more introvert, I'm more grace, or I'm more extrovert, I'm more justice. It's my personality or it's my anagram. You might have all these reasons on why you lean one way or the other. But really, if you want to become like Jesus, then you'll walk, talk, and act like Him. And He is the Lion and the Lamb. He is grace and justice. He's not one or the other. Jesus is perfect without sin. He calls us to resemble Him. If we are to think, talk, and act like Jesus, then there's a time to hug and there's a time to flip tables. But every action must be done out of a pure heart and led by the spirit of discernment. Let me tell you, friends, surrender paired with discernment is everything. When I was reading Matthew 21, I just started laughing. I just love how Jesus ran out the money changers. He flipped the tables, but in the very next sentence, he healed the blind and the lame. It was like Jesus was saying, I will not be mocked and I ain't playing, you know? But then he turned around and had great compassion. He turned right around and in that same moment, in that same temple, he performed miracles. It was a perfect example of who Jesus is. He is the lion and the lamb. He is grace and justice. Here, I'll read it to you. Matthew 21, 12. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of robbers. And then the very next sentence it says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. (laughs) I just love that. He just now flipped all the tables and rebuked all the people in the temple. Then he turns around in the same moment in the same temple and just starts healing and loving on people. He switched up real quick. If you've been a Christian for a while, you probably have heard the saying that Jesus is the lion and the lamb. You might be wondering, what does that really mean? Well, it lies the complete gospel message and it is Christ crucified. It's really the most important message of our entire lives. In fact, it's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. So this needs to be the absolute focal point of our lives, whether it's preaching the Word, teaching the Word, living the Word. It must be Christ that drives our daily living. My question to you today is, what is the picture in your mind when you think of Jesus Christ? Do you see Him as a lion, full of justice, authority, or do you see Him as the Lamb? full of compassion and grace. Maybe you can relate, but for me growing up in church, I would often see paintings of Jesus in church. You know, he was either holding a lamb, walking with a lamb on his shoulder, sitting with children around him, or he could be hanging on a cross or the risen Lord with his disciples. 
What is it that you often picture when you think of Jesus? Well, today I want to paint a picture of Jesus from the scriptures that he is both the lion and the lamb, that he is both the lamb of God who was sacrificed on the cross for our sins and for the sins of the world. But at the same time, he is the lion of Judah, the king of kings with all authority, might, and power. When John the Baptist proclaimed that Jesus Christ is the lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of this world. That is probably one of the sweetest words that anybody could ever speak out of their mouths, right? I mean, John the Baptist is proclaiming that that this is the Lamb of God. You know, now they call him the goat, right? Greatest of all time. Well, Jesus was the original goat, and he came to take away the sins of the world. And up to this very point, hundreds of lambs and bulls and goats have been sacrificed, but none of them could fully take away the sins of the world. It was a temporary sacrifice and wasn't fully sufficient. But this lamb, the lamb that is Christ Jesus, was the one and only lamb that could take away the sins of the world. This is exciting news. This is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. In this one proclamation, what we see is two things. First, there is a problem. is called sin. Secondly, like what a message, you know, that this is the lamb of God. It is he alone who can take away the sins of the world. He did not come only for Israel, but he came for the entire world. The theme of the Lamb of God can be seen right through the Bible. You know, this message of redemption shows us the heart of a loving God. A provision was made even before the foundation of the world was laid. And 1 Peter 1.18, you know, the Bible tells us that knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Jesus is also the Lion of Judah. You know, the lion symbolizes royalty, power, might, and strength. It is the royal name, the Lion of Judah. All throughout the Bible, Jesus is referred to as the Lion of Judah. And the last book of the Bible, Revelation, tells about the history and the second coming of Christ. We read, Behold, the Lion of the tribe of Judah has conquered. Amen to that. So Jesus is the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. And at the same time, He is the Lion of Judah who will rule with righteousness and justice. And he comes to rule. But at the same time, he comes to gently carry his lamb. He is the king who is coming in judgment. But at the same time, he is the gentle lamb dying for his people. He is the Lamb of God and he is the Lion. We see in the Bible that Jesus is both. So now that I gave you some history and some biblical reference on Jesus being the Lion and the Lamb, I'm going to tell you how that relates to us today as followers of Christ. Let me tell you, friends, I see Jesus as the lion and the lamb almost every single day of my life. If we are praying to be more like Jesus, and that is our goal, which it should be, then he will manifest in your life, sometimes as the lion and sometimes as the lamb. Let me give you some examples. Those that have known me like most of my life or, you know, for decades can tell you, Leah has always been fearless, always been bold, always been what you see is what you get, genuine and authentic to her core. 
My salvation story is that one Sunday when I was five years old, we came back from church. I was home with my mom in the kitchen. She was making lunch. And I was, you know, running around the kitchen telling her, I want Jesus, mommy. And she thought it was sweet and cute. But, you know, she just thought I heard that in Sunday school. She didn't really take me seriously. But I was very persistent in telling her, you know, I want Jesus, mommy. And so she looked at me and she said, okay, if you still want Jesus after lunch, then I'll pray with you. She just wanted to make sure that I knew what I was talking about and knew how important this decision was, right? I was only five, you know. But immediately right after I ate lunch, I ran up to her and I said, I want Jesus, mommy. So my mom prayed with me and she tells me to this day that, you know, that was like one of the happiest days of your life. You literally were ear to ear smiling all day. Nothing even phased you. You were just like on cloud nine. You were so happy and full of joy. So ever since then, and even as a teenager, like I had a relationship with God that I knew was real. And I really was raised by my parents with the fear of God. And I was always bold. I was always fearless, you know, uncompromising, moral, grew up in a very strict Christian home. And I've always had a passion for justice, you know, the heart of a freedom fighter, of an advocate. You know, so growing up, I just had no problem roaring like a lion. And even though I knew Jesus loved me, he paid the highest price on that cross. He sacrificed his life for my sins. Even though I knew that in my head and I grew up learning that since I was young, I really did not have a deep revelation of that. I did not have a deep revelation of the Lamb of God, the compassion, the grace. I really did not have that till I was older. It wasn't until about 10 years ago. It was during one of the most devastating times of my life. And during that time, God took me through this really deep purge and transformation. He literally made me into a new person. But it all started when I surrendered my life to Him. So God had to get me to a place of complete and utter surrender. You know, I tell people, I didn't really go from dark to light. I was living a good Christian life. People looked up to me in my faith. But I went from light to pure light meaning I was already a good Christian girl on paper, but I justified pride and unforgiveness, anger, and all those things were separating me and keeping me from a right relationship with God. So I'll never forget the day when I was, you know, in one of the darkest times of my life and I had my own apartment and I was just sitting on the couch. I was just questioning God, you know, asking him why I was where I was at, at the time and all these things. And the Holy Spirit grabbed my attention that day. Clear as day told me, until you allow me to uproot pride in your life, you will never be who I've called you to be. And in that moment, I literally dropped to my knees, stretched my hands out and said, then do it, Lord, do whatever you want to do in me. I'm yours. And all I can tell you, friends, is it was like a host of angels was, you know, above me, over my shoulder, singing, saying, we've waited our whole life for you to say that. And I'm thinking, like, looking back, I was such a good Christian girl, super moral, super pure. I mean, like, you know, I was a good person on paper. I mean, there was a lot of Christians that looked up to me in my faith. But it was literally like a host of angels was telling me, we've actually waited for this decision more than anything else that's happened in your life. Now you're going to really become a disciple of Christ. You just unlocked the door to your purpose and your destiny. 
And so began the process of God doing a complete transformation. Of course, it was really uncomfortable the first year or two, you know, just uprooting things that, you know, you deal with your whole life. You just think, you know, your family's like that, or it's normal or celebrated by our culture. And God's like, no, I need to purge all those things from your life so you can be Christ-like. And then I remember several years ago, there was a girl, I did not know her. I never met her before. I was a chaperone at a Korean summer camp, and she was in YWAM on a mission for like two months, totally disconnected from the world and just her and Jesus on this trip. So she came back. She was just full of the presence of God. And she looked at me, and I did not know this girl, never met her. She started to tell me, God actually made you gentle. You're like a river. As she started to say this, I started like, that's not who I am. Is she really talking to the right person? Because, you know, if you asked anybody the top five descriptive words of who I am, gentle would probably not be at the top. (laughs) Gentle would probably not be on the list. They might be awesome traits, but gentle? And so I even remember telling her when she told me I was like a river, I said, well, you know, I'm very bold. I don't want to not be bold for Christ. Because when I think of gentle, sometimes I think of like super quiet, not willing to speak up. But then she starts to explain what she meant. She said a river, you know, a river is really peaceful on the surface, but underneath it has a powerful current that can sweep you away. God's transforming you into a river. She said, you're still going to be bold. You're still going to be bold and fearless and all those things is who God created you to be. But he also created you to be gentle. Jesus is not one or the other. He's both. So when she said that to me, I just thought it was really powerful. And I just had time with God. You know, I asked for greater understanding and God started to really show me, you know, I am the lion and the lamb. I am compassion and I'm justice. There's times that I will hold someone in my arms and comfort them and do miraculous healings. And then there's times that I'll flip a table and rebuke someone in sin. I am the lion and the lamb. I want you to be like me. I want you to be both. See, a lot of the church, they got it mixed up. They think, you know, either I'm going to be bold and fearless and I'm going to speak my mind, or I'm just going to be loving and graceful and compassionate and just let God work it all out, right? (laughs) You know, but if you want to be a true reflection of who Jesus is, then there's times you're going to need to be compassionate. And there's times you're going to need to speak up with righteous anger against the evil things of darkness. But I knew that because I'm naturally wired to be more the lion and the justice and the, you know, advocate, right? That God was going to have to transform me to be empathetic and compassionate, full of grace on a greater scale. Then God started to really work on my heart that I needed to desire discernment. I was already surrendered to him, but it was going to be a greater level of me asking God for discernment and his perspective in all circumstances, in every situation. So I started to really crave discernment. I started to ask God to give me his discernment. And he did, friends. I mean, I walk in great discernment now. And now it's true. I do feel like that river. I mean, there's times where God will have me say something that I'm like, "Ah, I'm not saying that, like calling somebody out, calling the church out, pastors out, maybe somebody personally. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not saying that to them. I mean, it will be like this one-liner statement that is just going to shake them up and who knows how they're going to react. And God will tell me, say it and say it exactly how I'm telling you to say it. Don't sugarcoat it. Don't edit it. 
you know, say it how I'm telling you to say it. And I'll say it, you know, nervously say it out of obedience. And that person will just be stunned. And then later they end up thanking me because I held them accountable or that I helped them make a decision to get right with God. There's always that confirmation. Then there's other times where I do want to say something, I can say something, even something that might be powerful and true. And I feel God telling me, don't speak. So I'm obedient. And then there's other times where God wants me to just have compassion and to hold somebody in my arms and comfort them and give them words of comfort and prayer and encouragement. You know, I'm not supposed to call them out or correct them in their sin or rebuke them in any way, you know, because that's what God is leading me to do in that moment, right? So it's really a case-by-case basis, but that's where the gift of discernment comes in, friends. I really encourage you more than almost anything, once you are really at that place, like I was, a place of surrender, like whatever you want to do, Jesus, I'm yours, to really start to ask God for discernment because it's only in that discernment that you'll know when to speak and when to shut your mouth, you know, when to move and when to not move, right? But pride in our flesh will have us ignore that prompting from the Holy Spirit or that quick conviction and just move out of our flesh and just say whatever we feel like saying, do whatever we feel like doing, ignore the person that needed the compassion, or even be too compassionate, too graceful when God actually wants you to speak up and to hold somebody accountable. So you really have to not only ask for discernment, but be obedient when he calls you to either speak up for righteousness, speak against sin, speak out against darkness, or if he calls you to just love on someone that you might not even think deserves it, to show someone grace. Jesus is justice and grace. Jesus is the lion and the lamb. He's the honey and the hot pepper. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not one or the other. Far too many times, you know, I see Christians and they they either walk in extreme grace or they walk in extreme judgment. But really when you're surrendered and you allow the Holy Spirit to lead you, then he will teach you how to walk in both justice and grace. I mean, there are times, you know, that I'll have righteous anger, getting angry at things that are not of God. It's an anger that is grieved by sin, death, and any form of evil. Righteous anger is a characteristic of Jesus Christ that we as Christians receive when we accept Him as our Lord and Savior and choose to follow Him. We are to be angry at the things that oppose Christ and His image. Righteous anger is being angry at all the things that oppose God unrighteousness, evil, idolatry, impurity, and sin. So not all anger is bad. It's all about our motive for being angry. Now, if we are offended, you know, if we are in the flesh and we have anger, that's not of God. Anger rooted in pride and unforgiveness is sin. When Jesus humbles you in a true place of surrender, then he begins to trust you with his kingdom business. The word of God tells us in Psalms 11, For the Lord is righteous. He loves righteous deeds. The upright shall behold his face. Now, if we are coming from a right place with the right motives, and we understand the verse that we are not fighting flesh and blood, meaning we're not fighting people and and their decisions, but actually fighting the principalities of the dark world. You know, righteous anger or tough love, it's not an absence of love. 
but it's love that sees a danger and brings warning and correction because you want people to repent and to live right according to God's will. You genuinely do not want people to live in bondage, blinded by strongholds, you know, living in a pit. You want them to be set free. And that's the purpose for the righteous anger. I mean, Jesus displayed tons of righteous anger in the Bible, and he still does today. He definitely showed his lion's side. In John 2, we see that Jesus took a whip and in public scolded religious people. I mean, just imagine going into a dry religious church today with a whip and scolding people. I mean, that would be crazy, right? But Jesus did that. Jesus also publicly called out religious people with insulting words like whitewashed tombs, broad of vipers, condemnation, dead bones, dirty dishes, I mean, dog. I mean, one time in Mark 5, we read a story of where Jesus threw people out of a room to heal someone. He also called out people in the church in public and called their father the devil. I mean, come on. I'm telling you, friends, we serve a table-flipping Jesus, okay? And we need some more table-flipping pastors, table-flipping believers that will stand up for righteousness, speak out against sin, and in the spirit of love, call for repentance. I mean, I think everybody loves the side of Jesus that's the lamb. You know, it's compassionate, it's grace, it's comforting. And I feel that we live in a generation that embraces that, embraces that we should just love and comfort people and let God take care of it and not really get involved, not really have any conflict and just live like the lamb, right? But that is why the world is what it is today. That is why you are seeing this perversion and violence and unrest in our country, a lack of peace, a lack of respect. I mean, we are living in a godless culture because the church has been silent for too long. Where's the accountability? God really wants you to rise up and become who he has called you to be. And that is to reflect who he really is at the core which is the lion and the lamb. We as Christians must be surrendered, spirit-led, and living a life of discernment. Because I'm telling you, if Christians don't start to have discernment, then they're not going to make it in these dark days. I mean, we already see it now, but you're going to see a greater scale of people who call themselves Christians who look and act and speak and think just like the world. It's like they don't even know what sin is anymore. And the Bible warns us of this. When a church loves all the favor of God but refuses correction of God, really, it's called spoiled, not blessed. So I hope that this message has encouraged you, friends, has really shown you what it looks like to be the lion and the lamb, to be justice and grace. I just urge you to surrender to God completely everything, your heart, your mind, your desires, your timeline, all of it to desire and ask God for discernment. Let me pray over you today, friends. Lord God, thank you for all those that are listening today. You just love them with a great love, Lord. You died on the cross for us, Lord God. No one could love us more than that, Lord God. I pray that we would just desire to surrender all, Lord, to walk in discernment, to become Christ-like in every area of our lives, to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, his leading, his prompting, and to walk in justice and in grace, Lord God. Convict your children, Lord God, if they are living a life of people-pleasing, any fear of man, 
any compromising, anything that is keeping them bound, keeping them silent, and keeping them deceived, Lord God. You have come to set the captives free, Lord God, that we would be all that you have called us to be. You have us born at this time in history for such a time as this, for your greater purpose, for your kingdom, Lord God. I pray that this message will pierce the hearts of those that are listening and that you will give them a greater understanding and desire for the things of you, Lord God. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your compassion. Thank you for your discipline. Thank you for who you are, the lion and the lamb. Amen. Make sure to subscribe to get all the blog and podcast updates at leahmariecarson.com. Follow on Instagram at The Lens of Faith. And be sure to subscribe to the Lens of Faith podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or Google. Remember, friends, life becomes clearer when you focus through the lens of faith. Talk to you soon. Bye.